Jeffy. Yes. Do do that thing. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Jeffy, do it. Come on, do it. She'll love it. Do it, Jeffy. I'm doing it. Okay. Let me do it. Okay. On tonight's dad band land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. He did it. He did it. Do it. We walk the streets at night. DBL, we done did it. DBL, <laughs> welcome everybody. Double. Back to this DBL. is Dad Band Land, the podcast where we talk about all the music you love from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band and their friends. You guys are important too. All right, let's get started right away because we have a very, very big show tonight. Hey, my lead guitarist of the band that kind of exists. Uh, yeah, that's and me. my good friend Kevin Burke. <laughs> How are Hello, you tonight? Kevin Burke here. I'm How good. I'm good. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. You know, we're going to break down a song that we play like we always do. We are nearly out of songs that we've played together. Well, that's not true. We've played a lot of songs together. Just how many songs has the public heard us play? That's right. Really what it comes down to. And tonight we're playing a family favorite. We're going to be explaining the Misfits Were Eagles Dare. You can sing along at home. Listen for that on Breakdown, coming up right after this. Hey there, <laughs> Brian Frank, band manager extraordinary. You've been traveling all around the country. You've been to the Grammys a, a, a few weeks back. Uh, you are happening. You're large and in charge, and you also run Brian's House of Wax. That's all true. I, I, am I large? Is that my COVID weight? <laughs> Maybe you're just really close to the screen, uh, to the camera. Yeah, hey, Brian, what are, what are you bringing to the House of Wax tonight? What's the platter that matters? What's the anniversary we are celebrating? Tonight, we are pulling out of the House of Wax the Jimi Hendrix Experience debut. Are you experienced? Yes. <laughs> yes. Question. One of the few question titles that are out there. I love that. What a week I had revisiting that album. That thing. Oh, such can't a wait album. to talk about it. Hey, clockwise from Brian, at least on my screen, and I can't wait till we're not zooming this anymore. We have Jeffy Branion, our chief That's technology right. officer, and also purveyor of or inhabitant of, we haven't decided yet, Jeffy's <laughs> jukebox. <laughs> I am both the purveyor of and inhabitant of I'm I'm not only the mayor, I'm also a client. And right. Jeffy, uh, what what are you spinning in your jukebox tonight? What are we going to be talking about? Tonight on Jeffy's Jukebox, <laughs> we're going solo. We're talking about the best solo careers after leaving a band. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is great. And by the way, Kyle, our, our, our producer and engineer and editor, Kyle, our guy who does everything, Kyle, I want you to know that we're still waiting for that Jeffy's Jukebox theme song. I feel yeah. like it should sound like a 60s I, dance I, show. I, actually, you know what? I think I think I volunteered to do it, and he's been waiting oh. on me. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, we just blame the yeah, wrong I, guy. I, we blame oh, Kyle. We blame the wrong guy. Problem. Yeah, I was going to do something. Kyle, Kyle, really? you, are, you are innocent, Kyle. You are definitely a victim in this situation. It's Jeffy's problem. Jeffy. Yeah, okay. And I've been working on a, a big project that will finish up next week, and I will have time to devote to Jeffy's Jukebox. I want a to be bigger, real snappy. It's got to be snappy. It's got to feel like a... Jeffy's yeah. Jukebox theme song? What? 
a bigger project than Jeffy's jukebox theme song? No, yeah, it's I mean, impossible. This is, I mean, you know, it, that one has had a deadline, this other project. Whereas this, it's it's not done until it's done. You know what I mean? Speaking of missed deadlines, Kevin, how's our band coming along? The reconciliation. Ah! <laughs> I don't know, you know what? I was on vacation. I was doing things like not putting the yeah. I was I was in Hawaii. I was doing things that weren't putting the band back together. But you know what? What I will say to this is everybody we know is excited to play in what formation? Who knows? That's but I right. do have a question. I didn't think about this till now. We were talking about Jeffy's jukebox. Is this how you're bringing up the possibility that you're going to go solo after our successful, <gasps> famous? Dad band. Oh no way! Is this how you're getting us used to this idea, Adam? No, no. Hey, no, Kevin. I mean, wow, wow. Kevin. Kevin. I wouldn't have. Th- I wouldn't have thought of it. <laughs> it's just so weird that you say this. That you I did love- it that way. So you're saying you've done nothing? Is that's why you're turning it around? You turn it around when you do nothing. What? What? Yeah, nothing. Hey, I didn't uh, turn it on to you. You have to explain, defend yourself. I do want to say that a couple of things happened this week with our band in that uh, we've been getting texts from some of our band members saying they're psyched to play. And yeah. we hadn't even divulged this detail. But I guess like our drummer kind of had a Def Leppard situation. Not quite as bad. Whoa, he didn't lose he still it has, he, still, he has, Wait. for the record, <laughs> he has both arms. And he's always had both arms. <laughs> And, I and mean, he crashes Corvette. I mean, that was arm. a very specific that, example, that, and so my like, mind went like, a very specific. Yeah. Place. All right, I think he sprained his shoulder, but it, for uh, as far as I was concerned, <laughs> we had a we had a drummer I, who couldn't play. You, wow. That you that was es- that escalated very quickly from sprained shoulder to <laughs> is miss. That, is that arm. false equivalency? I'm not sure. I can uh, I can't endorse this. I can't uh, endorse it. That's like so I don't know. Funny. That's like. Anyway, yeah, that's he texted us to say that he is fine now and psyched to jam. So we're I really think there is progress happening with our band. I'm very there excited is, about it. There is. I, I I definitely feel that way. It's uh summer's coming and people want to go do some stuff, and I think we're gonna be summer's out in here the world and the time is right. Yes. For jamming yes. in a backyard. That's hey, right. Kevin. Blues and see. Yes. Let's move ahead sure. and break down the song. It's time for breakdown. There's not really moving ahead, though. Tonight, it is Misfits Wear Eagles Dare. And I've got to say, when we did um, Blitzkrieg Bop, Blitzkrieg Bop is punk, and it is simple, and it's, so is this Misfits song. Yeah. But Blitzkrieg Bop is known by everybody. In some ways, it's overpopular. This is definitely underpopular, I'd say. This is a song that I don't, I've never heard another band do, ever. So I think we're definitely, if you're a dad band who wants to play, or a parent band, or any sort of cover band, who wants to play a song that arguably no one's going to know, and they're just going to stare at you for those two minutes that you perform the song, this is that song. Absolutely right. Which is absolutely, but I love it. I love it. It's got the heaviest riff. It's a big palm muting riff. It drops down a little half step in the middle. I can't beat that. That that to me is my favorite shit. Once again, though, it's a punk song with no. Yeah, well, it's got a big sing along chorus. To be fair, with, uh, I, I crap on you guys a lot about this, but we did play a punk set in a punk band warming right. up for a punk band on Christmas uh, who played a lot of like Christmas favorites punk style. So it made sense that we played a lot of songs where there was no keyboard. And this song, I was yeah, happy not to have the, a keyboard part because I don't love it. I don't like it that I think much. It's you, a know, great song. you know, punk bands always have this sort of like affectation that maybe we're really vile people, but I, I, I think the Misfits might be. Might be vile people. Yeah. 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 I think some great. members. I didn't see yeah. anybody. Some members. I didn't see anybody totally disagree with that. Um, I'm not going to say who who didn't disagree, but there there was not a lot of disagreement there. And so I have. Oh, and Kyle just texted us. They were grave robbers. Oh. If it, only. It There's some, that's something sexy about that. How's that a problem? Yeah. When did that become a problem? Was that but ever the, proven? Was that ever actually proven? Never. Never convicted. But, um, okay. Kevin, you and I both do like the chorus of that song. Yeah, yeah, we do like the chorus. It's it's one of those sort of, like, sing-along. It's everybody's singing the whole... The, it's I Ain't No Goddamn Son of a Bitch is the, is the chorus. It's the refrain, and yeah. Sang, I sang. We all sang. And it's a great chorus. That's the part you remember. And then That's the rest of it remember. is... Yeah. The guitar riff. I can I can totally that's how my brain works all the time that's what's going one neuron in my brain is always away from going that's just how you're a metal guy but there's like this punk thread running through you for sure 
Well, it's it's I'm a guitar guy, and then the heavier the guitar gets is pretty exciting to me. And so that is metal punk. That can be anything, really. Yeah, and punk uh, river runs through it. Is the punk river saying. runs through it. That's right. Um, I think also, it's safe to say, though, when the band reforms, we'll never play that song again. Oh, man, you just we're going to open with that song now. You've just challenge. <laughs> yeah. accepted wow. Challenge, challenge accepted. accepted. <laughs> challenge unlocked. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Hey, everybody. Hey, kids. We're going to open with the new song. You're going to love it. And next week, play it Achievement the, uh, Unlocked. <laughs> play it at Kidapalooza. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Children's Challenge Show. That's, that's the only song. Kidapalooza is done, Brian. Kid Play that clever. We're going to play that song. Behind the Times. The Parent Children Festival. Maybe we should call it Kidstock, Grandpa. <laughs> the Parent Children Festival. <laughs> I guarantee you there's, there's a Kidstock out there somewhere. Oh. There's, <laughs> uh, there's more than one. Come on. You know, be, because Kevin and I have so little to say about this particular um <laughs> this particular song? No, it's gonna be on. It's gonna be on our playlist. Listen to it because it is a killer song. It might Great be a song, song that our listeners aren't that familiar with, but if you aren't, you should be because it kicks ass and you should you should love it despite our cover of it. I, I do want to point out though that this week something really momentous happened, and because I've got nothing else to say about this song, which is that um, <laughs> we've occasionally had people from dad bands, um, other dad bands, uh, pop up and say they love our podcast on our social media. But today was a, uh, or this week was a double first. One of them was this dad band is Irish and Finnish guys who play Irish and Finnish folk music. They are not located in the United States. That's a first. And they posted a picture of them playing in some kind of pub setting. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So they're legit. They're super legit. And, And I feel better about our niche punk song. Because that's pretty neat. Yeah, where and where do they play again? I, well, I can't well, remember. Here, the guy's name is Patty Reynolds. He said, I started listening to the Dad Bandland podcast, and I am also a dad in a band with other dads. But we are Irish and Finnish guys who play Irish and Finnish folk music. But we are punks, metalheads, Decemberist fans with Ooh. beards and tilted hats, <laughs> which is, I think, a reference to my insult of Decemberist fans. Um, yeah, don't variety, do that because I'm one. And me. I'm not. Variety, I'm not. he says, is the spice of life. No, he's uh, right. In, in the picture I saw, there was definitely definitely a better beard than any of us have. That I I, I feel like I'm under bowlered, and I need more mustache wax when I hear things no, like that. You, you need no mustache wax. These guys have, have one of these guys has facial hair that just blows any of us out of the water. Absolutely, it, it, it's levels that we'll never attain. But I want to say that because I had nothing else to say about where eagles dare. Do you have anything else, Kevin? No, no, I just recommended listen listen to our uh, you should listen everyone should listen to our playlist anyway because it's a great mix no matter what but that's some, that might be a discovery this week. Make a discovery, expand your horizons. Experience that's right. That. Go into the description of this show on whatever device you're listening to this podcast, click on the playlist and you can listen to where Eagles Dare and better songs. Yeah, you and, can you know discover what, music be- for the very first time. <laughs> speaking of better things, our sponsors want to sell you something and here they are. DBL, we're back, and we've got stuff happening here, ladies and gentlemen. Left it's and a, right. It's a quiet night what, in Southern what? California. What's happening, <laughs> DBL? Where are we going Nothing. to next? Where crickets. are we going to next? Oh, where episode. are we going to next? We're going Not to that. Crickets that, are that happening. Do you see that glowing device in the corner with all the neon lights in it? There's a young man in a leather jacket leaning against it insouciantly as other people read I do. song titles I off do. of it from behind. I'm, I'm I'm seeing it. I'm not hearing it yet. I don't know why, but I'm seeing it. You're, you're not hearing it yet because we haven't activated it. We have to activate it by saying... Jeffy's Jukebox! It's time for Jeffy's oh, Jukebox, wow. and here to spin the platters is Jeffy Brandon. Good evening out there. I'm here to talk <laughs> about some solo records. Well, solo some record. solo, solo artists, really. Yeah, um, going solo. Going solo, we call it. I Are mean, we here to discuss the best of the solo maneuvers from a famous band? I'm going to allow some leeway in there. I'm going to see how yeah. far you'll go with this counselor before I have to rein you in. But I think, yeah, I'd like Ooh. to start with 
who's got a solo career? Somebody was in a famous band, right? And then they yeah. went solo. Who's got yeah. a solo career that kind of like even outstrips their band career? I mean, Michael Jackson comes to mind. That's, yeah. you know what? I was going to ask you to go first, Jeffy, and you've just crossed one off of my list. Obviously, right. Michael Jackson, right? There's yeah. there's some good Jackson 5 songs, but there's Michael Jackson established. Yeah. Yeah. So he Michael was Jackson fairly is clearly successful the as a solo standard. artist. He yeah. was. He was. I mean, there's sort of three that are kind of the gold standard, right? There's MJ. I, I've, mm -hmm. What? Can I just say the three? Then yeah, I'll yeah, stop yeah. out of the way. It's your jukebox. Because this is, cause this is the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, MJ, Paul McCartney, and um, uh, Phil Collins. In fact, I would say that the Phil Collins solo albums were bigger than the Genesis albums until the Genesis albums after the Phil Collins right. solo album. Like yep. Invisible yep. Touch did better than the other Genesis albums? Correct. Yeah. That's wow. exactly Holy. the point. That's and, great. And that's and not a great album. They were riding Phil Collins' coattails. Totally. Yes. Well, no, absolutely. it's true. It's true. Phil, I mean, Phil Collins, essentially, Genesis ended up becoming like a sub-project for Phil Collins yeah. after Second Required, yeah. which is so weird, but absolutely true. I mean, yeah. people, I have, people... I have to cut in here with one. How much Phil Collins owned in 1986. Like, no. he just dominated Are you, you going to cut in with yeah. Peter Gabriel? That's the I'm going to cut in with Peter thing. Gabriel. Yeah. 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 That's... Like, we were skipping... Both of those, both Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel had massively successful 80s runs and early 90s runs, and they both came from Genesis. But Genesis was not successful in the same level that, in the same audience, in the same level. That, like, they didn't, they came from a known band, but it wasn't like they left Led Zeppelin, right? <laughs> like, Genesis was not, yeah. Genesis yeah. was not the Beatles. Yeah. It's not like they left in sync. Uh, yeah, let me ask you a right. moral musical question. That, Jeffy, I was going to bring that up. Let me ask you a moral musical question. You're in a trolley. It's okay. out of control. There's no way to stop it. There's a fork in the tracks up ahead. Oh, no. It's 19. It's 1980. Okay? And stuck on this one of the tracks, terrible. the one on the right is Peter Gabriel, <laughs> and stuck on the other one is Phil Collins. You, one you of them is going to die. You can only spare one of them. Who gets oh, hit by the trolley? That's easy, guys. Come on. Is it? Do we all have the same answer? Who are you killing, Kevin? Or who oh, are you Col saving? Collins, Collins all the way. Collins is going to get run over by that trolley all the way. <laughs> Peter Gabriel. I am saving Peter Gabriel's life. Peter Gabriel deserves to be alive. I mean, if I look, look, I like, I'm sure Phil Collins is a nice guy, but I have to make a choice here, and I'm going with, with, with keeping Peter oh, Gabriel alive. Wow. Uh, you know, Phil Collins, I love you. You... Since you were 30, you looked like my grandfather did at 70. But your time has come. I agree. <laughs> Jeffy. Your time has come in 1980. In 1980. <laughs> <laughs> your time has come in 1980. I hate to do it, but if I have to This is not a fair question because you're asking me <laughs> it's to not judge. Even, I'm not even sure it's a question. No, it's... I don't know. This is hitting me Why hard. Why do you have to choose? This is so crazy. Why do you have to choose? Yeah, you don't have to yeah, choose. Don't have to the choose. trolley is out of control. What if you don't First make all, a choice? Where is there a trolley in 1980? Why? Why are they in the same? motherfucker? <laughs> Wherever. Why are Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel both in San Francisco? Track. Yeah, they're not even allowed <laughs> to travel together. Right. <laughs> it's competitive tours. This makes I no sense. It's like the president and the vice president. You don't put <laughs> right. them on the same plane. You can't. Um, no. All right. So let's talk about if their solo career was bigger than no, no. The band. Let's talk about no? who are you saving? Are you going to answer, one. Jeffy? I love them answering? both. Um, can you just give me a moment? Okay. Wait, wait. <laughs> this is possibly <laughs> the worst. Question you've ever asked. Why do you have to choose? I've known you for know. So, so many similar. years, Adam. I hit records in <laughs> '86, and they—they're not even different. I feel, I feel cornered. I feel. Um, <laughs> I, not, I think the not right betrayed. Guys. I think the bad guy's Adam in this one. I think Adam is the guy who should try to aim the trolley. And and and, and and I think I'm taking so long to answer because I'm gonna say Phil, and I know that that's gonna get me some ridicule. You're gonna say Phil. I'm but you kill Phil. Phil. All right. You save Phil. Fine. Excellent. There's Thank no you wrong answer. answers because this is the most preposterous problem we've ever faced. Brian, do you want to answer? I mean, I, I, it's hard to say whose solo career I prefer because, A, they're so different. 
And B, they've both contributed so much to music in different ways, right? And, you know, what I would say is I would pull a Spider-Man move and (laughs) I would get on top of the trolley and I'd uh, web the trolley and throw the trolley off the tracks, thereby saving both of them. All right, Brian's trolley right, just exploded, can and, I, and can we'll I, remember him fondly. Can I tell you why? I'm going to tell you exactly why I would save Phil. Are you okay. ready? Yes. That's great. All right, l- now let's move on. Um, that those teeth have successfully been pulled. Um, <laughs> Kevin, you you wanted to bring up one here. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, cutting back to it, yes, I think that there is somebody that is to me is the gold standard that everyone professionally who leaves a band, any singer that is like, I'm going to leave a band, bases their career on Ozzy's solo career because he's the only wow. person I know. He's the only person I know whose solo career was so was first of all not expected to go anywhere, and ended up so much larger than his original well, his original band was not a small band, and then he ended up being the defining guy for another twenty years after that, while his band just floundered for another twenty years behind him. I think when David Lee Roth left, I think when Vince Neil left, I think when all these people left, they all thought I'm going to be like Ozzy, and he's the only one who ever pulled that off, who ever pulled it off to that level of success. How about Beyonce? How about Beyonce? Beyonce is on my list. That's that. That to me, that's even bigger. Uh, Sting. No one has mentioned Sting. Sting? Yeah, Sting is one of them. Sting is the one though that is that is one of those like he went solo, and people definitely have love hate experience on his solo career. Sure, it was successful, but he's one of those people where a lot of a lot of police fans don't necessarily love solo Sting, whereas I can say a lot of say Beatles fans genuinely love solo McCartney, solo Lennon. That I think that's thing. fair. I think I think Sting never topped the stuff that he did with the police. Sting wouldn't believe that though. I feel like that's the issue. Wow. Is I think Sting's under the impression that he, he got so much better, and that's what they're one of the few bands where <laughs> it is one of those like I like the police but not Sting, you know, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I like some Sting. That's a good. Anybody else? I like some sting. I, oh. I, I alluded to it earlier, but uh, we were talking about in sync. Uh, JT, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in that category, I'd put Harry Styles. And Absolutely. In that category, I put Ricky Martin. Don't forget Menudo, guys. Yeah, Escape from yeah. Boy Bands and Girl Bands is interesting. Yeah. And here's one I'll posit that maybe it's in that category, but it's debatable. Diana Ross. I had her on my list too. Yeah. I believe they were first the Supremes and then Diana Ross and the Supremes, or am I Correct. wrong? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. she rose out of that. She emerged from that band and then went solo, although I don't know that her solo stuff nowadays is as iconic as Diana Ross and the Supremes. So it's it's debatable is right. what I want to say. Well, so. I, I, also, I had on my list, and I'm not a huge fan necessarily, but I think Donald Fagan had a pretty successful solo career in addition to being Steely True. Dan. You know, True. like he had, he had, he had Grammy winning albums. He had some really great. How many records, records did he sell? I, I wonder. I don't know what the number of records. No, that is a good, that is. Nightfly, good. Nightfly was pretty big. Nightfly, yeah, Nightfly was, was pretty good. great too. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, Nightfly. It's I was no Kamakuri head. True. Uh, I was going to put a, man, we're getting deep. That's uh, some deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's it? Sunken Condos? Morph the Cat? Anyone? Um, yeah. I was going to yeah. throw out there literally everyone in Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Every single fucking guy. Their records oh, unbelievable. Well, that is the that's mic drop. That is the mic drop. Untoppable. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a mic drop indeed. Oh, well my done. Lord. This has been a re- I, I really can't. I mean, the next one I had on my list was Bjork. So fuck that. We're done. Brian, that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good. You, you, nuked, a good, you I, nuked the site from orbit. You won the category. Yeah. <laughs> you nuked it from orbit. <laughs> All right, and with that, Dad Band Land will be back. It's the only after way this. to be sure.
DBL, we are back, and we couldn't stop talking during the break. And the reason we couldn't stop talking during the break is because we realized that this is a very, very big and broad topic. We're going to have to revisit it sometime. It's large and and in charge. Large and in charge. It's like like Brian Frank, like some of the other topics that we have covered (laughs) on this show. This one is going to generate a lot of feedback from you, the listeners. Like when we did covers that are better than the original I have I have a giant list of that from from all our listeners who who wanted to talk about that. There's just so many. There's no way like every time we crack open an egg on one band, we remember five other bands that someone has gone solo from, you know. So every time we get into this, it keeps getting deeper and deeper. I think there would be a great category to be people who've had horribly failed solo careers and came crawling back to their original band. Oh, I wanted that. Yes. Welcome back. I was, yeah, I was going to talk about Peter Wolf's solo album. <laughs> hey, I have light, I have lights out on vinyl. It's a good uh, one. Of course I do. do. Uh huh. And I also have the yeah. one Jake Giles album from after he left. You're getting oh, you even do. while I'm getting odd was the Ooh, title I and the title track. Yeah. Oh, you should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my collection was complete at yeah. free we screen, but I guess that's, not. That's back in the day when the album titles were dad jokes. <laughs> yeah like you can tune a piano but you can't tune a fish, can't tune a fish. Yeah. so right whose yeah. was that Aria speedwagon. speedwagon yeah well that's a dad band they right there they knew who was listening yeah they knew, they knew who was buying that tape <laughs> fun fact that the members track. the yeah, members of Aria speedwagon in midlife crisis car fun fact the members of Aria speedwagon are the only guys who were ever medically born dads they were dads when they were born. Medical fact. <laughs> that was and a an anomaly. Joke. You know, yeah. there's literally there were That's literally funny. crickets. There was literally a cricket over my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank it's, God it's, we had it. It's actually the only time the crickets went silent. Yeah. The crickets Fantastic. heard crickets. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, you know what it's time for? I don't know. Tell us. Well, everybody, everybody. It's got to be. It's got to be. Let's not split up. Let's stay together. And, oh, yeah. And in a group, because we're going to walk in here and it doesn't feel safe. It is time oh. for Kyle. Yes, that's right. Brian's House of Wax. And this is, this is a good one. This is a rich one. Hey. Brian Frank, you're a band manager, but you're also an obsessive collector of vinyl. What you know, vinyl? <laughs> yes. Do you have any this week? Do you have any available to play for us this week? I, I got to admit to you guys, I went on a, I'm, I'm looking down because I oh, went no. on a bit of a spree the last couple of weeks. I oh, was boy. in Nashville and I bought this many records i'm holding oh, my hands no. very wide no. apart i, I went to the wow. store they had to uh, i was like listen can you ship this to la for me and they said yes and then while i was in various airports across the country this week i went a little bananas i'll show you guys later but i have two giant stacks of records at my feet i can't even move from the did you drop by off. jack white's place in nashville i not on this trip but i have been to third man yeah yeah i'm dying to go there's there. some cool stuff um, anyway, right. so but tonight, this week in the yes. house, you know what? Tonight. It's been so long. Yeah. There's been so much stalling. Kyle, play the theme again. <laughs> Ryan Frank, what? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to beat that. I have to do something that's completely different. Set the yeah, bar low. Yeah, yeah. I think American Bandstand theme, Jeffy. Da, 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 da. All right, Brian, what do you got? Tonight, we're talking about the Jimi Hendrix Experience debut album, Are You Experienced?, uh, which was released in the UK on May 12, 1967, and released in the US on August 23, 1967, uh, which puts it at 65, 55, 55 55 years old. 55. 55. Some people who are very young at heart were Mm. fucking born in 1967, and none of those people are 65, Brian Frank. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know either, Brian. I wouldn't have added it up. I 
I was trying to see if we could push. I was trying to see if we could push Adam and Jeffy over the edge, and it worked. Okay, and it worked. Give them a tire. It completely worked. Fifty-five years. Um, So the version that I listened to, because uh, it is important to note this, and and I do specifically want to call this one out, is the uh, 2014. 180 gram reissue from the Hendrix family that was remastered from the original two track master tapes and it was pressed at my favorite pressing plant, Quality Record Pressings. I hope that one day we can get a sponsorship from them for our podcast because they are the best. Um, Amen. So it sounds beautiful. So here's the story. As I mentioned, it was released a couple months earlier in the UK. In the UK, it peaked at number two and stayed on the charts for 33 weeks, and it was still on the charts when their second album was released. That's a whole other thing we should talk about another time. So the label in the U.S. Warners uh, was reticent to release the album, but after his appearance at the Monterey Pop Festival, uh, they agreed to release it. It peaked at number five and spent 106 weeks on the charts in America, 27 of those in the top 40. And I know there are various versions, and we didn't want to get into all this, but I think it's important to mention that the UK version of the album didn't have Purple Haze, Hey Joe, or The Wind Cries Mary. What? I think and that is important, but but isn't, so, it, isn't that because wow. those songs were, had already been big hits in England? Purple so Haze was his first hit, and I think it went all the way up to like number, number singles, three or right? something. So that's what I was going to mention. Those, those three were singles in the UK. Purple Haze hit number three, and Hey Joe and Wind Cries Mary hit number six. So, you know, as we've talked about previously... And the UK method of releasing albums was a little different in the States and singles were different from albums. Uh, so the album version of uh, the UK version had Red House, Can You See Me? And Remember, which is not oh. big in his catalog, at least, you know, these days. So this record, one of the all time greatest debut albums, I think, in history, it was an immediate success. It's in the Library of Congress National Recording Registry. Um, and I, I think what's worth discussing is how this all happened for Jimi Hendrix, right? The story of his um, rise to fame is is uh, about persistence, and he really he started something that that became somewhat of a trend, or other people tried to replicate. I certainly have tried to replicate my career as a manager, which is when you have an artist who's not breaking in America that you feel could work in the UK you send them over there and see if they can break out of the UK and come back to America mm. as stars, which is what happened for Hendrix. Um, it's important to mention, so he he was essentially discovered by Keith Richards' girlfriend playing in a club in New York City, and she tried hard to uh, get Andrew Lou Goldham, the manager of the Stones, to manage Jimi Hendrix. He passed, but she then brought him to Chaz Chandler from The Animals, who was leaving the band and becoming a manager. And Chaz Chandler signed him and brought him over to the UK. And Hendrix lived with him. Uh, Chaz Chandler helped him put together the experience, uh, recruited the guys. He, Chaz Chandler, produced the album. He did all the pre-production with the band, working with Jimi Hendrix on the arrangements and teaching the guys in the band their parts. He was such a critical person to make this album happen. Also, he had a very tight budget to record the album, and he was wheeling and dealing. He got a line of credit. To, they recorded in three different studios over five months. It was 16 different recording sessions between October 66 and April 67 in between touring. And I think that's another thing, too, to consider is how this album was made. It sounds and feels like a cohesive piece of work, but if you think about it, it was 16 different recording sessions at three different studios. Finally, they cracked the code uh, at Olympic Studios when they got Eddie Kramer as the engineer. And Eddie Kramer was so pivotal in this because one of his methodology of using the li- limited number of tracks that were available to record on, and two, with the way he did the microphone placement. And I think that has a lot to do with the sound of this record and why it feels the way it does. It's so immediate in the sound and at the same time has like a depth 
and a span. It's, you know, it is psychedelic to me. It's like one of the definitions of a psychedelic sound, all the pedals that Hendrix uses and, and how he, um, you know, creates a really new sound. So, um, that's my little scientific spiel on this. I'd that, love to that's hear your uh, that's a great spiel. Yeah. I want to take us forward from there. And by the way, uh, you know, if you haven't looked into Jimi Hendrix's life from even before the time that Brian was talking about, it's just a kind of an incredible story of a guy, it a is. kid who was playing guitar on a broom because his dad wouldn't buy him one until he was like 14 years old when he got a one-string ukulele that he taught himself to play on and then at like 14 or 15 he gets his first guitar and he's playing professionally the next year soon after that he's with the Isleys it's just it's just an amazing story but um let's talk about guitar gods for a minute and Kevin I'm gonna throw to you right after this but (laughs) I want to I want to I just want to say um for me the guitar gods were never a thing. They were something to be ignored, something to deal with. I, in fact, I was out as a, as as a, a keyboard player. I was out for drinks with a fellow keyboard player last night. Um, he's been on it's our a show. Support group. Support yeah. group. Yeah. I, he's, he's been on our show. It's, it's Brian Weck, Ninja Brian this? from Ninja Sex Party. Are you just and name dropping now? I'm, me and Brian are pals. Well, I'm also going to confess that he was on our show because we're friends. Yeah, but okay. um, <laughs> but uh, we were talking about, you know, the guitars thing and how neither of us, because we're keyboarders, neither of us had that. You know, we, on this show, we've only covered guitar gods. We have covered basically no keyboard lords except one guy named Lord. <laughs> John um, Lord. Keyboard yes. lords. And, and, keyboard and lords. My interest in guitar gods as a kid was very limited i was aware that there were these people who would interrupt the song to play music while making food faces <laughs> like they were pooping and we were supposed to yeah. consider them cool and, and i was aware of this but I, I, I and i liked some of their solos i liked the instrument wasn't interested in the role and as such i ignored Jimi hendrix until i think i was in college and i heard the title track from this album most people's way in is purple haze oh. Great song, um, my way in was Are You Experienced? Because I was into 60s music. I was into psychedelia. I was into, um, at the time, I was, yeah, Brian, Brian is miming weed. I was into weed. And uh, I was into <laughs> I was into latter-day psychedelic recreations like the great Dukes of Stratosphere albums. And you mm, listen how to- How do you mime mushrooms? To- <laughs> Brian's doing it because he's, he's, he's a doing, master he of radio mime. I will <laughs> second you on that Dukes of Stratosphere, by the way. Yeah, no, absolutely great stuff. And you listen to Are You Experienced? And there's backtracking, you know, there's backmasking. There's, there's right. all that, that kinds song of stuff. Starts, starts in the, reverse. And yep, that's stunning. And the lyrics are trippy and it's stunning and it just sounds so beautiful. And I use that to find my way back. <laughs> say now that i've come to really love several of the guitar gods that um find kevin has been emulating back. in his stand i found my way back but it all started for me with learning about what Jimi hendrix was doing and loving Jimi hendrix and this album listening to it again this week sounds just as bright just as new and when he plays his guitar devoid of the of, of the back masking and stuff it's it's stunning and beautiful. And one of the things I really appreciate about the new pressings of the album, the new streamings of the album, is that there's a couple of other cuts where he's just playing that geet. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. Like uh, Red House is yeah, on. And by the way, if, you're, if you haven't heard Jimmy play Red House, know that out there there is an album that is nothing but Jimmy playing Red House. It's 10 tracks, I think, yeah. and it's fantastic. Ah, All right, so let me, let me turn it over to the actual guitar god because I just wanted to frame that a little bit. Talk yeah, to me you know, about and, and you and Jimi Hendrix because I know you're I a Van Halen guy. It, Talk I can about put Jimmy. in a bit of framing, too, that I find interesting as someone who was, who was very much enamored with guitar gods. You know, that was very much – I started playing in the late 80s, early 90s, and – Jimi Hendrix, you know, being 20 years old, that record at that time, his whole the first three records being about 20 years old, was right in that prime, super classic, like on the cover of every magazine sort of thing. Right. When I first started playing, I was I liked Jimi Hendrix, and I but I thought, you know, what about Eddie? Like we had Eddie Van Halen and Vernon Reed and Steve I, and I was like, maybe we should get into these current guitar players instead of right. the instead of the classics. 
now all this all these years later i don't think we talk about Jimi hendrix enough i didn't i agree i didn't recognize i was always looking at guitar solos riffs and guitar solos right and i didn't realize that Jimi hendrix's way of playing which is which is all through his rhythms there are cool riffs there are great solos but that you never break it down and think his solo specifically so much as you think his playing from top to bottom yeah of this entire song and no one really emulates it exactly people like try to to some extent but no one's been able to capture that sound like other guitarists at that same time like eric clapton there's a whole subgenre of eric clapton clones that sound sound like his type of blues right there's nobody people have tried there's nobody who can play like Jimi hendrix it's, it's almost like he's breathing into it it's like guitar it's, is a yeah. wind instrument like yeah like, it's, in fact, of all those people all those guitarists who died and all those people from the late 60s who died at the time like jim morrison he's the only one that i really feel like had a lot of music to offer that we did not holy shit kevin i was going to bring this up i had yeah. the list it's known as the 27 club all these right. musicians around that time that died at the age of 27, and it's Jim Morrison, and it's Janis Joplin, and it's Joplin that is. dude from the Rolling Stones. They all... Brian Jones. Yeah, yeah. and I and I think, look, I don't... He's the I'm one, a, though. He's the one that, I'm like, a huge Doors fan. I feel like, to some extent, Jim Morrison might have been done giving us musically, you know, delivering yes, exactly. what exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure he had good friends who miss him, but the point is, musically, he... he the Jimi Hendrix musically and, and Janis Joplin could have made more great music, but she would have eventually been, you know, she would have hosted a great variety show too. Well, that's actually, I'm going to say that about Jimi Hendrix to some extent, based on the small little skits, like at the beginning of access board is love and his love of science fiction and stuff. I think beyond guitar playing, he might've been a great personality to have around through the seventies and eighties. And I to- wanted to bring that up. Everybody yeah. knew that he was a, you know, like kind of one of the funniest guys in rock and roll. He was yeah, affable. Like, he was fun. We think of the guitar playing, but around the time he was recording this album, he was going everywhere with a copy of Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited because the lyrics thrilled him so much that he was forcing people to listen to that because he thought it was funny and clever and deep. It's almost like your vocal quality. It's his voice in, in, in various and takes of various songs. Yeah, you know, his actual voice he did, but I meant his guitar has right. a voice that is, you know, yeah. he's not playing the same, you ever seen live, he's not playing it the same way twice. Do you know what I mean? It's not about matching this thing. It's about it being an extension of his personal voice. Yeah, and that's that, expressing that himself through the instrument. Yeah. And in a way no one else are is playing it. Not him. Whereas he exactly. is speaking through exactly. it. Yeah. I think we are, we're all hitting the same Brian, thing. Brian, you're you're and, I, and I think that, you know, to, to note as well, that this was a trio, right? And right. you think about bands that are three instruments. And I agree with what you're saying, Kevin, that the power of his playing throughout the entire song, he carries every single song in the yeah. band. And it's no disrespect and to Noel And the other Noel two are Redding. great. They're great. Right. It's yeah. no disrespect to Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell. And, and I love Mitch Mitchell as a drummer. But the, he is the song, the entire song, every single song. Even and, even, even in yeah. Axis when other other guys sing, Jimmy's still carrying the song. I went I mean, to, I, I, the vocalist and he still controls the song. I went to college with a guy named Mitch Mitchell. I just I don't I don't think that was accidental. No. No, it was probably, I, I, I think um, I know what his parents were doing when he was conceived. But yeah, but oh. going back to this record, going back to this record, like we talk about things that I think to some extent this was overplayed and became a little bit of a like, oh yeah, Jimi Hendrix experience. Like this is one of those generic classic rock records. I think it's time for the world to go back and rediscover this record because it sounds fresher to me now than than maybe it even did then. It has definitely- 100%, 100%. Let's get to yeah, the actual, it, Kevin, it, I want to ask you something. Can you, yeah. and start us, we'll go around with this. Because it's so relevant today, I want to hear about what you guys were thinking this week. Give me the song that hit you the hardest this week. Kevin, you first. Well, I, I listen to this record a lot. Do you know what I mean? So I, I pull this out pretty often um and i think every song is good the secret hit to me that always gets me pumped up is is i don't live today and i think that's i think partially it's because it's not on the radio all the time but that opening riff and then that that chorus i don't live Live today today. yeah that's so killer across the board that's my if i was a radio programmer i would sneak that in I want to do this album again next week. 
What um, a great song. And if Brian, I was programming Classic Rock Radio, I would I would sneak this in next to Hey Joe and the other ones and make it into a hit now. <laughs> uh, Brian, ironically which song is enough, you right now? It's not unprecedented. I have the same pick as Kevin. Whoa. Oh, wow. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> and I love at the end on the record, on the vinyl, at the, it's the end of side one. And at yeah. the end of the song where it fades out and then fades back in and then fades out. And you hear mm. him saying, like, are you experienced at the end? He's doing all this right. talking and stuff. Yeah. And it's so, yeah, it's so great. And here's the thing is, I'm with you also, Kevin, in terms of like, this is like the generic, you know, classic rock record. In my collection, this is the one I ha more recently have gone to the least. Uh, oh, you know, I, yeah, I do a lot more Electric Ladyland and Axis Boulder's Love. Mm. And going back and listening to this one today, I'm like, fuck, this one's great too. I should be <laughs> yeah. listening to this no, one No, I'm with you, I'm with you on that I one, Brian, because until, yeah. until this week, I was yeah. more of an Electric Ladyland guy. I mean, yeah. I've heard them all a lot, yeah. but, yeah. but I, this I, is I great Axis. revisiting it. Let's move on to Jeffy. What is your cut? Man, I love Can You See Me. I just love it. It but wow. Have, is this is this uh which was not on the US version. That's yeah, right. I was it, was say, it was on the British it was yeah, on the UK so, version. Yeah. So this so, is so one of the limitations of of me be, only being able to listen to it on streaming. You know, I have, yeah. I call up Apple Music. It's not a limitation because and, that was that, that was on the UK pressing. Uh, but yeah, like that's that's if I mean, of course, there are the songs that everybody knows, but like this one really hit me, and I was just like, it. It sort of was a coalescing of everything that had come before, like his voice, which is underrated, and his uh, his like overly expressive technique. Like I feel like he has a relationship with that instrument that allows him to do things with it that you just can't do unless you devote your entire existence to it. Um, I, yeah. I love that our British fans are going to be like, Jeffy, yes, way to go. Our British listeners and our American listeners will be like, that wasn't on my tape. That was not. <laughs> Sorry. It, Sorry. It was included on uh, Jimi Hendrix Smash Hits, yes, uh, which came out a year later. Uh, um, well, the I, thing is, while I was listening to this, I was like, this is playing like a greatest hits album, and it's a debut album. Yeah, yep. it does. Yeah. Every song is great. I was like, as "What I said, is as I happening?" You guys, as I texted you guys this week, I was ashamed that we did a category a couple of weeks ago, best debut album, and we didn't <laughs> this mention was this not one. On it. This was not yeah, on the that's list. just it's just so fucking stupid of us. But it, it just shows that some of these categories are rich. But let me go in there and say that I had one that struck me this week. It's not my favorite song on the album, but this week was the first time I really noticed it. So actually, like went online and looked into it and read the lyrics because I never really paid attention. And it starts like you're listening to Break On Through from the Other Side. It really does. It's got kind of this like weird little jazz groove, but it gets even better. It's Third Stone from the Sun. Yeah. Stone from the Sun, by the way, but it, it is evocative of the jazz that he was kind of moving towards, towards the end of his life, which was only two and a half years later. Oh, my God. But right. what I want to point out is the lyrics, because he writes a little science fiction story mm -hmm. here. The plot of Third Stone from the Sun is from the point of aliens coming down from the sky in their kinky machine, as he puts it, I think. <laughs> and they love the look of the planet. And they think chickens are like the greatest thing they've ever seen, but they don't get mankind and thus eliminate men so the chickens can rule the earth. The chickens are delicious. They, they weren't thinking in that way. They were thinking we were delicious. Anyway, Jimmy yeah. was such a funny, weird guy that he wrote this crazy little sci-fi story about the planet being cleared of humans. Mm. It's called Third Stone from the Sun for a reason. And I don't think hardly anybody who loves this record really knows what that song's about. Interestingly enough, that song too got shoplifted for the guitar solo and I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred was taken whole 
and placed right into the end of that song. And that's probably why you had such a comforting feeling for that song when you heard it again, because I'm Too Sexy yeah. is one of your favorite You know, songs. I'm glad you brought that up, because so many of the kids today are such big Right Said Fred's fans. Right. And I don't know where it came maybe, from. Maybe maybe their love They're, of Right Said Fred could right said lead Fred. them back to Jimi Hendrix. They could. Right said I agree. Fred fans are legion. Yeah, play us out, Kyle. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> but you know what? That's an appropriately wacky way I to, mean, to lead out of the segment because we could talk about this album literally all night. Uh, but I just want to say we often advocate that you go back and listen to an album, guys, and obviously we're going to have some cuts on our playlist. But this one, this one, there's a never bit. a moment when this one isn't worth your time. Go are back you, and are check you, you're out. You're talking about Red Said Fred, right? Yeah, we're I'm talking about Red Said Fred's entire album. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Band Land will finish off with some guilty pleasures right after this. Dead Band Land is yeah. back. back. Yeah. We are and, in. Uh, boy, this is exciting, isn't it? Which part? Which part? Is this guilty pleasure? We're doing right here. And by oh, the way, before man. we do this part yeah. right here, I want to yeah. let our listeners know that we have a mini episode coming up, a special edition. Uh, that is all of our listeners' guilty pleasures that they have sent in to us. And, and, and in fact, it's not all of our listeners' guilty pleasures. No, no, there's been because so you guys many, have sent in so stuff, many, right? and they're so awesome. You've scooped us a few times. We're gonna give you guys an entire episode and uh, air your dirty linens in public. I know. What's it say about our audience that they have so many guilty pleasures? Like maybe they should just accept the pleasure of this. I love that we have an audience now, and they are awesome. All right. So listen for that. It's coming up in, in just a couple weeks' time. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, let's do guilty pleasures. And I want to, does anybody want to volunteer to start? Jeffy Branion. Uh, sure, I'll, I'll Chief I'll Technology Officer, what you got? I mean, I got this song, and you know what? My mom introduced me to this artist, and um, yeah, I I. I don't really want to say too much, but early 70s, here we go. Kyle? Song sung blue, everybody knows one. Song sung blue, every garden grows one. Me and you are subject. Fantastic. Neil Thank Diamond, you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, man. That is I don't know just, that song. What song it's Song that? Sung Blue, and uh, it's from uh, Neil Diamond's Moods album from 1972. I, you know, I think, yeah, my mom just had some Neil Diamond on vinyl, and she would play it, and it was just, it just went down easy. And I was like right in the right, I was right at the that, right that age designed. where I would just, it. I just accepted it as, oh, this is what good music is. And so it's, it's a part of me now. Like all of this, all of, like I can just sit down and listen to his greatest hits. And uh, But I feel like, I feel like he went through a, a guilty pleasure phase and then all of a sudden everyone loved him again phase. And now I think he's generally beloved by everybody. I have three words for you. The yes. jazz singer. I was about to bring that up. Um, if you want to see Forgotten. Neil Diamond in blackface, I've got a movie for <laughs> let you. Me, let me take my list of things I want to see. <laughs> I mean, on it. you know, I, I would say, you know, like Holiday Inn, if you want to see beloved people in blackface... Um, it's not my thing. I'm not, no? I'm not into it. Okay. Well, no. well then it's maybe don't so. tell him it's not a guilty pleasure. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this. I honestly didn't know. I knew he this made is a the, desk. This is the guilty part. part. I've never saw it. Yeah, oh, let's let, let me cut in. Jeffy and I, Jeffy and I, for many, many years, we're very, we're kind of on ice now, but for many years had a bad movie club. Oh, nice. And we would just get together and, sc and screen 
really terrible movies. And the night we did The Jazz Singer, because we had a rule that you could always stop and go back if there was something to point out that was, like, incredibly hilariously bad, the night we did The Jazz Singer, that hour-and-a-half movie took us four hours. <laughs> just want to say, for those of you who haven't seen The Jazz Singer, it was made the same year as the award-winning movie Marathon Man. The Why is that important? You, wh I think it was the same year, wasn't it? Yeah, 1980. Um, why is that important? Because both movies contain Laurence Olivier, Sir Laurence Olivier, doing an absurd German accent, one to really great effect, and one as Neil Diamond's father what the in fuck? The Jazz Singer. I don't even remember that. And he rents his garments at one point using this burlesque German accent and yells, I have no son, because his son is out there singing music. Did I imagine that he is, he plays, he plays yeah, Neil Diamond's I, yeah, father? Adam, I, I, hope, I hope to God you did, because that's the craziest shit to no, imagine. I, I just it looked it up, it's there. It makes true. a crazy double feature <laughs> with the boys from Brazil. Not only that, we imagine, because the jazz singer looks so cheap, we imagined that it was possible that the people who filmed the jazz singer were just following Laurence Olivier around on the set of Marathon Man and bugging him so that he yelled things in a German accent. Because that's how movies are made. Because yeah. <laughs> that's how movies are made. Kevin Burke, what's your guilty pleasure? I'm sorry, I got uh, so uh, right here. <laughs> fine. It's a short segment. Is uh, mine, mine comes a bit out of our discussion of solo, solo artists. This is a uh, very famous... Uh, singer who went solo and had a very successful solo career and this is um this is a song that i refuse to not love and so i think uh, kyle can play that for us right now It's so good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Tall Cool One by Robert Plant wow. is beloved by me. Holy you shit. Know, I, I, understand, I understand if you, because I was too young. Led Zeppelin was long over before I was paying attention to music. And uh, and if you love Led Zeppelin, you saw him playing this song, which couldn't be more 88 in its production, mm, plus wow. a Coke commercial, plus a Coke commercial tied into the music video. Was it written oh. for Coke first? No, I, who knows? Who knows? It's a classic chicken and egg problem. It's a classic chicken and egg problem. A Coca-Cola no, executive no. happened to be strolling by the studio one morning yeah. in 1988. You know what? I, <laughs> Excuse I, me, young man. Pardon me. Robert Pine's like, I'm 40. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he you, was 65, so he seemed you, young. Yeah, if you had a Robert Plant rune tattoo on your arm and you saw that, you might have been like, fuck, this sucks. But you know what? When you were my age, it was so exciting and so great. And uh, I don't even know who sings that tall, cool one rap in the middle. It's not, it's not him. It's some guy. Some guy comes in. I don't know. Can we listen to that rap in the middle real quick? Wow, it's, who is um, that? I don't know who that is. That's, that's some not guy. He just that's not. Up. It's not him. It's not playing. Showed up. And no, it's just some dude, as far as I can tell. I saw. I saw him. I saw him play it live. And some dude on the keyboard some sang that dude. section. Some dude. And you know what? Is, I mean, not, is he not credited in the liner notes, Kevin? I would have to read the liner notes. I do have it on vinyl. Oh, we but uh, I haven't out. ever I mean, actually looked at this. We have I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's just some guy. Just let me have. Let, let it be some guy that I don't know. That makes the song even better. But I love it. And I'll never not love it. And it's got samples and Zeppelin samples in it. Love it. Every time I start thinking that maybe we've exhausted uh, guilty pleasures, we have a round <laughs> like this one. I'm going to go next because I don't want to end on a downer. And mine is a total. Oh, <laughs> ouch. I'm glad I'm you're not really guilty about it. Us. The reason I'm not, I'm going to bring this to you guys. Oh, no. Even though I like the song, I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't, as I said, in a bar with Ninja Brian last night. By the way, he was recognized for his eyes. A fan came up to him and just said, like, I want you to know that, like, if, if you're him, your music, like, really saved my life when I moved out. Were you what? recognized for your voice on Dad Bandland? Never. No, it was, really, it was really fun. In any case, he, um, he and I sat there. There's a jukebox in this joint. We put on some songs in honor of Kevin and what he said on our show last week. The only song that I put in the ju jukebox, I think, was The Final Countdown. 
<laughs> yes. I yes. did that and for you, it, and I told Brian did, why I was doing it. <laughs> and did everybody cheer? Did they break into cheers? Did they, they sing along? I think there were like three other barflies in there with us. But and they loved it. We did laugh about your comment that you that was what you envisioned was running through keyboardists' heads at all time. So in any case, for some reason, whoever was playing the jukebox was sardonic. And it was um, nothing but guilty pleasure stuff. Many songs that we've done on this show is guilty pleasures. And we were critiquing them as they came up and got on with our conversation. And then this one came on, and we both agreed that we love this song. Oh, boy. As embarrassing, cliched, and sappy as it is. Hit it, Kyle. If you leave me now, you'll take away the biggest part of me. Ooh, now, baby, please don't go. And if you leave me now, you'll take away the very heart of me. Jesus. Oh my this, God! That, that, I know. Where, I don't know what studios listed, but that was definitely recorded in a dentist's office <laughs> or in or in a mother-in-law's kitchen area. I, I can't even believe you're that. talking about where that beautiful song was <laughs> recorded. Listen, Satara's got the voice of an angel. He it, does. It's, it's fucking it's unquestionable. A very particular. I mean, I, I like Satara. I mean, who doesn't like Satara to some extent? But that. Everything about it, like the strings in his voice, at some point become the same sound. You like know at what? some point his Fuck voice you. is like a string. Fuck you. <laughs> this song, that song is fucking incredible, dude. I love this. I love this. I'm surprised that- I'm not that, saying that it's it not. Like, I'm just saying it's real smooth. It seems like I have the backing of everybody but Kevin on this. And I want to say, guys, I'm surprised because I thought, oh my I God. thought I'd be the only well, one I, playing I, in this I, I love I that song. Like, that's, I, I got some deep- deep love for that song like wow and i want to say that yeah. that song i acknowledge what that song is and i also acknowledge that he began the process of killing his band dead with ballads yes he the did the same way that dennis de young did that with lady and for sticks and you know what i would say it was a worthy sacrifice <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right, that's all I had to say about that. I, I I loved hearing it, and I kind of always will love hearing it. Although Kevin, I do understand what you're saying. I fucking love that song. <laughs> How do you think? What do you think about that song? Brian, take us home. What's your guilty uh, pleasure? All right, so so this is a a song uh, from the year 1999. I'd say music was in a bit of a transitional <laughs> period. <laughs> Kevin's already laughing. Doesn't no, I'm know. laughing. I started laughing at that. <laughs> I started laughing at that, which is hilarious. And then while I was laughing, I got to do it on the side. Um, Kyle here messaged us. Was that all your guys' slow dance song at prom is what he wanted. I just want you to know that that song was nowhere near, nowhere near my prom. I just want you to know, how old do you think I am? I'll tell you my prom song. It wasn't that. But, yeah, but anyhow, even, even as old people, right. that we were like second I, I went to it. I went to an all-black inner city high school in the south side of Chicago. <laughs> Let me tell you, that was not our fucking prom song. No, it was Rio. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyhow, back to Brian. Brian is absolutely right. It's a lost era. It's so, a it's a lost era. I spent too much time thinking about that time. Yeah, and I, and I think that maybe you know, give it a couple years, and and maybe like you were saying, Kevin, that uh, Jimi Hendrix, you know, in the late '80s, mm -hmm. that was reflected back, maybe. <laughs> In a year or two, this song will be recognized for the classic that it is. So, so Kevin, please uh, tickle our eardrums with this. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's That's the, the Canadian supergroup, uh, Len, L-E-N, for those not familiar. And surprisingly, this is from their third album. I had no idea this was oh, their I had no third idea. album. Jesus. Wow. Well, I'm with you. I, I think this, this song is one Netflix, 
one Netflix high school comedy show from being a big hit. Think of the theme song on a net. Like all of a sudden, it's the number one stream song. Like this is that close to being beloved by a new generation. You're saying it could go viral at any moment. At any minute. I'm surprised it hasn't. In fact, like, but it could be tomorrow. Like all of a sudden, my kids will turn on some high school. Hey, have you heard this song? song. Yeah. Yeah. All all of you music supervisors out there, listen to us now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Grab it now. It just it brings such a smile to your face. Like the the talking, the little interludes. Honestly, we're doing some excellent music supervision selection. We are. Listen to Brian Frank. That's fantastic. I want to apologize to uh, our listener, Ted Daly. Uh, When I asked for suggestions for Guilty Pleasure, you wrote Len, Steal My Sunshine, and linked it. And it was going to be... It was going to be on our Guilty Pleasures special show, but here it is. Brian Frank just stole your Ted, sunshine. Um, we can't Brian do it on Frank. the show. He so literally right now, stole your sunshine. Ted, <laughs> Ted, I love you and unprecedented. 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 It is without precedent. You, you screwed Ted. I'm sure Ted's going to be okay with that because he gets his mention anyway, but uh, uh, on this show, that's that's fantastic. That's just a. Do we know anything about that band or that song? We don't. What's their follow-up hit? That was it. That was it, guys. That was it. That was it. Now you, you know, know what? what they're due to get some money again on yeah. that. It needs to be a, a theme yeah. song. It was the song was actually a huge hit, and it's a brother and sister from a group in Canada. Uh, yeah, it's great. Huge hit. All right. Oh my God, that was that was great, Brian. You capped <laughs> off a a legendary. Uh, guilty pleasures. That segment, legendary. Yeah. It's oh, legendary, but it's yeah, not so. really over anymore without our our beloved ending bit, which is Kyle's crown of shame. Oh. Kyle McGraw. All right, so I do feel like I am at a bit of a crossroads this week. Honestly, Adam, I feel like I'm on that uh, trolley that you were talking <laughs> okay. about earlier. Who are you gonna Who's going to survive? Uh, I'm not going to kill any of these guilty pleasures, but. I don't know, guys. Just the fact that you guys were all so into uh, that song by Chicago. I mean, for all <laughs> you listeners Did you home, dig that? Uh, these guys were getting into it over Zoom. And it was it was really fun to watch. And, you know, it is, it is a great song. <laughs> we slow jammed out the fuck out of that one. Um, but this week, I think the guiltiest of them all uh, goes to... Kevin Burke. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So Kevin, you're uh, you're now in the lead. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tied. You know what? I'm in the lead. You know, I I I I listen to the assignment. I definitely I definitely follow the assignment here. I don't know what you guys are doing. Well, you know what else is great? All you fans, and we thank you for coming down to another edition of Dad Band Land. Send your questions, comments, and your own cover band experiences. Even if you're playing Finnish folk music to dadbandland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. Dadbandland is produced by me and by Jeffy Branion. Opening music montage by either Jeffy or Kyle. You get to guess which one did this week. Editing and Starburns production by Kyle McGraw. Our theme song is by Adam Korn. We'll see you next week on BBL. Star Avenue, a podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.